Welcome to the Junior Golf Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping parents and juniors navigate through the journey of junior golf. From fitness to middle coaching, we cover it all on this podcast. Here's your host, Ro Thompson. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Junior Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Ro Thompson. Man, I tell you, we got a special guest in the building today. And it's none other than Robert Price of Elite Minds. And man, I hope y'all are ready for what he's going to tell y'all today because I feel, Rob, that this is the missing piece when it comes to junior golf. And typically, people don't want to put that extra money into it. But y'all, without any further delay, I want to bring up my co-host, Robert Price. What's going on, Rob? Nothing much. Good to see you, Ro. Thanks for having me on the Junior Golf Podcast. I'm excited about uh, sharing with parents uh, and players, uh, like you mentioned, the missing piece, why this is so important. Um, and, uh, you know, we could we could talk about this. Obviously, this is what I do for a living, but we could talk about that missing piece around a lot of areas in our lives. So I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity. Yes, man. Well, thank you for agreeing to being on. You know, you and I, we, we talk from time to time and you know, we share some very similar experiences. So I know a lot of times, you know, you'd be wanting to give me that that mental part of it, which I know is going to help, you know, my son. And of course, it's going to help uh, Haven as well. But before we get into all the mental coaching and all the performance and mindset stuff, give us a little background uh, about yourself. Sure. Uh, super simple. Um so I've actually been at this for, uh, it's always scary to say now that we're getting plus this, but but since uh, 2000, so 23 years, so a couple of decades in this space. Okay. Um, I started in 2000, uh, actually as a grad student uh, at University of Maryland. Uh, and uh, literally my, my story is uh, long but short at the same time. So I was literally sitting in class. Uh, one of my professors saw me doodling uh, and, uh, he said, man, that's a good name. Uh, you should go and figure out what to do with it. So it was elite minds way long ago. And so, um, I, I literally left class and kind of figured out what do I, how do I do this? How do I get a name and what do I do with this business? And, and he, he, you know, he kind of walked me through some of that. Uh, so my first job literally was in grad school, uh, as a mental performance coach at a, uh, a junior tennis facility where kids would, uh, basically board and house. Uh, and I would basically come over there every day and work with those kids around uh, this system now that I have, but created the system, creating the system along the way around how to actually build this champion mindset for for uh, for athletes. So that's a little taste, but I played, I'm going to go back just for a quick second too. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I uh, grew up in Toledo, Ohio. So for, for those of you Ohioans that are out there, that's what's up. They may not like me when I say my first experience in college, <laughs> actually, uh, watching a college sport was Michigan. So they became a fan uh, right away. So my daughter and I celebrated a national championship, which was amazing. I know we're not supposed to like co celebrate with things that aren't really ours. I'm celebrating this just so right. You know. Right. That's good. Uh, it's, it's okay to be a fan. 
but then I, when I left Toledo, I actually went to University of Pittsburgh to play football. Okay. Uh, I played there for two seasons, and then I ended up transferring down to Hampton University, so one of the HBCUs, uh, HBCU Love. And at that time, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to know that when I grew up, I did not have the transfer portal. Man, I wish I had that thing. Wow. You'd have been moving. Uh, <laughs> You'd have been man, moving and grooving. I, I would have been. That would have been fantastic. Uh, but I chose Hampton because at that time, you were going from Division One A to Division One Double A. Right. Bowl now we call it Bowl Subdivision, and so you're able to do that and then play immediately. So that's exactly what I did. Um, and so that way I could just continue that journey that I was having. So. Uh, that's a little bit on my sports space and uh, a little bit of school space. And I'm sure I'll bring up some of those other fancy schools that I went to along the way, but uh, <laughs> that's, a little, <laughs> that's a little taste. Uh, but just been at this man for, for a minute. Um, 23 years is a long time of doing anything. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's a minute I've been married for 20 years, so I'm getting, you know, there it is. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm just now learning about this business and I'm just now learning about being married all at this. It's all happening at the same time. <laughs> experience, experience. experience. That's what they call experience. Exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, man. So, so what led you into the, the mental coaching piece or, you know, some people call it mental performance, mental coaching. What, what do you like to call it? And what, what, what led you into that field? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, I'll go academia for a second. Okay. okay. I think that'll actually help our listeners. So um, sports psychology, that's the umbrella of this. Okay. Uh, the word psychologist or psychology is a protect word. And, and so I, I share this from an academic and because I'm in the field and there's a lot of other things that go along with this. So Technically, to be called a sports psychologist, you must be a licensed psychologist. That's it. Okay. You specialize in sport. So that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody who says they're a sports psychologist actually specializes in sport and knows kind of what I call it and knows what they're doing. Right. Uh, you, you know, you could be a psychologist and say, I've worked with a few athletes and so I'm going to be a sports psychologist or you, I can add that to my title. They're allowed to do that because psychology is a protected term. Okay. Now this again is that evolution of time and experience. And so when I was in school at university of Maryland in grad school, I was in a um, basically a kinesiology master's program with a specialization in sports psych. Oh yeah. That's you, what it was. You deep with uh, it. Deep. So yeah. I, I get the under, and I understand. And then other, you know, it's a, it's an interdisciplinary sport. So I just, or, or um, uh, space. So I like to be called because it's the legal way to be. I've learned a long and hard way on some of this is that I am a mental performance coach. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what I do. Um, it's, it's mental performance coaching uh, mm -hmm. is what's happening. Uh, we use sports psychology principles and techniques. That's what we do. That's where the, if, if you are worth your, your salt. So if you, if you are coming from that space, um, that's how it sounds. So it does sometimes get confusing to, uh, to folks. Um, and then it, it, it adds a little more murky when we talk about mental health. 
uh, and, and, and sport and how does that work? And, and can I work with an athlete around their mental health issues and their sport performance issues? Mm-hmm. Fortunately for me, I have a license uh, as a licensed therapist. So I can do that uh, mm-hmm. in addition to using some of the skills and techniques that a mental performance coach can use or should be using. Uh, so that's a little piece of that. So how did I get into this? This is a story uh, and it's a good one, um, at least I think. So when I was in the ninth grade row, uh, I played uh, football, basketball, and I was told I needed to do a third sport, which at that time for me was track in the spring. Okay. Uh, I showed up at the track uh, and I uh, everybody shows up at the track for the first time. They all think I played DB, by the way, so I thought I was fast. So I decided to run the 100 as everybody does. And I'm all looking around like, oh, yeah, I got this one in it. Man, I ran that thing. I'm like, whoa, why are these people faster? Like, it was crazy. Uh, And so there were like four or five guys that finished ahead of me. And I said, man, that was, I thought maybe this was something. Uh, And then I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Uh, And so the coach comes and he says, okay. You know, top five guys, he actually said top four guys, y'all going to be my 100 guys and the 200 guys. I'm like, okay, that's not me. Uh, And then he was like, uh, five through seven, teaching y'all how to do hurdles. I said, what? What say you? Hurdles. What kind of, what is it? Supposed to jump over things and then he's like, you're going to run over these things, but you're not jumping. So I learned very quickly uh, in ninth grade, like never played, never ran. Uh, how to do hurdles or how to run the hurdles. And so I did the 110s and the 300s in high school you do. Okay. And uh, my first 300 meter um, race <laughs> was actually at a crazy place called the Penn Relays. And if you run track- Very popular. Uh, <laughs> people know, <laughs> know this place. Yeah. And so I've never run track. I'm That's my first meet. I, I didn't realize how big it was or small or whatever. I played sport. I, you know, I get it, uh-huh. but I showed up there. I looked around. I said, uh, oh, uh, oh, you know, you got college and pros and the whole thing is there. It's, it's a, it's an event. Wow. And so I ran that first 300, uh, and I fell, uh, off the first hurdle and I ended up getting up and finishing the race. Right. Uh, not last, hmm. not last. I think that's something. So I learned yeah. real quick uh, <laughs> that there's something about the thing that's up here mm-hmm. that allowed me to not finish last, but more importantly, to actually get up and finish the race. Right. And so my coach actually said, man, that was amazing. He used the word, you are mentally tough. Mm. And I, I needed to learn more about whatever that was. So literally that began my journey okay. around how to do this thing. So I've always kind of wanted to do it. It's yeah. actually my ninth grade, like this is what I'm going to be. Uh, and so I started the journey then, actually. But because I fell in this thing, like that's amazing. <laughs> everybody watching. I still got up, though. I didn't. Like I said, I didn't finish last, which was amazing. Right. But uh, but I did fall. And I luckily, I didn't disqualify myself because I had fell in the lane. It's crazy. Uh, and so I was able to get back up and finish. Um, it happened so early in the race. I think I was just super shocked. And then I was like, I guess my first instinct really was to get up, but that's how I fell myself into 
wondering more about well this mental toughness thing like is it just something i innately have from my parents from my upbringing from how i used to be like what was it is it something that i could learn do better get better at it and so that's when i began my journey around it that's good that's good man so so in in terms of in terms of mental uh, performance coaching what are your top sports that you give coaching coaching to okay uh, so literally it is golf mm -hmm. number, number that's, one, a number one, uh, it, it's number one, a, okay. it's, it's actually, if I, if I, somebody says, Robert, sign me up that on here, golf will be one, a, and only <laughs> okay. number one, because it's actually a tie literally right now. I have a lot of soccer players, Okay, uh, which is some people really like, yes, a lot of soccer. And most of those clients actually are all professionals. So they're mo most of them play uh somewhere uh Europe. Okay. Uh, some college some college kids here in the states but mostly uh European uh play Americans who play in Europe. Okay. Uh, so that is uh the other major space. Uh, I also work uh with our Olympic shooters, our USA shooting team uh which is amazing. This is 24. We're in the Olympic cycle. Yeah, this year uh, it's Olympics, right? Yeah, so I have some some clients within that space. So you've been busy. Uh, yeah, I've been busy and will continue to keep keep moving. Uh, but those those sports uh, kind of right in there. And then just because of the season we're in, I, I work with um, a lot of fellas trying to make it to the NFL. So I do a lot of NFL combine work, okay. a lot of uh, in a, helping players get through the combine, but also through their pro day. Uh, so. Uh, if I don't count them as individual clients yet, it's kind of in a group space, mm -hmm. uh, in the season, meaning March, April ends, then many of them will stay on individually. Uh, but that's kind of the, the I see a lot of golfers, right. a lot of soccer. Uh, I deal with some individual shooting sports and, and then football, uh, is, is definitely in, in there for the mix. That's good. Now, how did you get connected? You know, this is the Junior Golf Podcast. How did you get into golf mental performance coaching? Did you play golf or did, how, how did that happen? Sure. Um, specifically, uh, I mean, I, this is what I tell people literally. Mm -hmm. I do golf, uh, but I did not grow up golfing. Okay. I didn't get introduced to golf until I met my at the time, girlfriend, now wife's dad. Okay. That was his, like, first question. Like, you golf? <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> what is golf? What are you talking about? Like, I don't even know. And right. so he was like, oh, you're going to get some golf clubs before you leave here. Young man, this is how you do it. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and so I tease people. My first set of golf clubs were Titleist DCI Blades. I didn't know what they were. I, yes, exactly. They were great golf gloves. So I so oh, come yeah. to learn. But that's how I learned how to play golf with mm -hmm. blades, Titleist DCIs uh, that were given to me from him. So obviously, if he was able to give away a set of blades, Titleist, you, you kind of have an idea of what kind of golfer he was to begin yeah. with, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into golf. But my now uh, two older kids, Hayden and uh, Kyle, 16 and 14, son mm -hmm. and daughter, uh, play golf. My son uh, started golf first when he was five years old. Wow. And then um, 
when he's now 14 and, and around, we're now 16 with my daughter. So when she was 12 years old is when she started. But she was late bloomer. Okay. So, but my son is the one that brought her into golf, which is a cute story for her to tell people. Uh, mm-hmm. So she's only been, you know, playing tournament golf for three years. Okay. Really. Um, okay. Which I explained to her is still an amazing feat to be where she's at. So for sure. Uh, and just, I mean, by, by the nature of just her being in golf, but also being doing this sport, uh, I've always worked with golfers and golfers are a very protected group of guys. Right. Uh, and so I get a lot of clients who become, uh, you know, especially corn fairy at the, you know, and, and, and my PGA guys, they all, they all know each other and they all say, go see Robert. Like somebody knows, send me to Robert. That's, that's how that network works. Mm. Um, it's a small one. Uh, really, and I'm I'm okay with my little small little tribal guys. Yeah. Um, I know there's some other folks out there that have bigger, uh, bigger Never. clients. Yeah, big, bigger, yeah. bigger footprint. But um, there's something to be said with kind of what I do and why I do it the way that I do. Because again, I have four kiddos, and so that working at that level, um, it actually is more work. Uh, not, not everybody might not understand that, but you're at, at that level. My professional athletes require, um, they believe that they have, uh, access to you all the time. Mm. (laughs) Not specific time, but all the time, all the time. So that's different. You have to understand that, um, when working with that population. And so, um, and many of them understand if they have families and things of the sort, they get it, but especially the corn fairy guy. I mean, they're in the midst, you know, of trying to get this thing. And so to go to that next level. It, they're a little, you got to spend a little bit more time with them and it's a little bit different. So, um, but that, that kind of how I got into the golf space and um, been working in it for a very long time. And so um, one of my first golf clients, I had him in high school. I worked with him all the way through college. Mm-hmm. And now he's uh corn fairy. Actually last year was his first year. Uh, he Monday qualified into the uh, Wells Fargo, actually. Nice, and right so in that, Charlotte. Uh, yep. Yeah, so that was a great That's experience great. for him. So just trying to get him, you know, get some more of these man, these these uh, guaranteed starts on the corn ferry, and it'll be it'll be on and popping. Man, that's that's awesome, man. And you know, uh, I got a few more questions for you, but as as you as you talk, you know, it, uh, again, I talked about it at the opening of my broadcast that a lot of parents take mental performance coaching for granted um you know we believe in buying the equipment we believe in paying for the tournaments we believe in paying for the coach but that one piece because a lot of parents like man why my children aren't playing good why isn't my junior golfer playing good and the one missing piece is it could be that mental performance coaching piece and yes you have to pay for that you that's something you have to you have to pay for it now now robert let me ask you a question what percentage of golf do you think is the mental part of it yeah that's a great question i asked my athletes and parents that same question so Hmm. i think i have a really good answer and it's twofold but it's really 
once you have acquired the skills, it doesn't mean that you can't learn to hit a flop shot better or hit the grooves just so perfect, but once you've learned to acquire the skills, and so I'm talking to like elite junior golfers, right? right. They, they got the skills. They know how to go out to the golf course and hit a golf ball, putt, chip. They know how to do that. Yeah. But once you have acquired the skills, then the rest of your game is mental. So if that, then for me, I tell people, then that's about like 90% of the rest of the game is a mental game for you. Mm-hmm. And if you're not spending, if I always say, if you're spending a hundred percent of your time on just 10% of your game, you're leaving 90% of it to chance. Mm. I mean, no business person wants to do that. That's a bad investment. So, you know, the stuff is not cheap that we give them. The equipment, the time, the energy, the turn, all that stuff is not cheap. Correct. But only still just 10% of what can actually, we can get from them uh, once they learn how to master that stuff. And so just is this is um great example of this is people know how much these foresights and Mevos and Yes. They, okay, you can buy one on your own. And the parent literally said to me with the client that I have, this my my their son wanted the foresight. Right. I don't talk about how if you want to know, look it up. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. She literally said to him. You're going to keep working with Robert. And until this X, Y, and Z happens, you will not get that. Because she recognizes like that thing is cool and all, but that's That's part of that 10%. That's a toy. Yeah. We got to work on the 90%. And there's certain things we're going to work on with this particular young man. And we've already been doing it. So he's set up for success. But uh, I find that sometimes to be crazy because a parent will tell me, well, I got to buy the foresight, and, but I can't pay for what you like. Okay. Yes. Yes. No, no problem. When they're in them, them tournaments and it's for real, you're going to be like, yeah, look, I, I needed that mental coaching. So I would say 90% from an elite, once you get to the elite junior level from there moving forward, yes. it's 90% mental. That's why the professional athletes have mental performance coaches. Correct. Because they recognize that they're not going to leave that 90% on the table. I mean, that's, if you process that, that really is the difference between the 120 on the money list and up. Right. Is that their teams of those guys are fully, they have a fully equipped team is what I usually say. So anytime I'm in that space, I know I can see like they got all of the pieces together so that way they can just compete. And so that's the thing, even with uh, minority golfers coming into this, they don't really understand like these other kids that they're competing with have the full entirety of the team. And, Robert, uh, you, you, hey, listen, man, you, you, I, I got chills running up down me because, you know, about three years ago, three or four years ago, I started to put John a team together. And so you had your fitness, you got your swing coach, got your mental performance coach. You got all the all these people, and you you need if 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 you want your junior to go to that next level, you got to complete the team. Got to complete the team. I mean, it's like, and and and, and Robert, here's the caveat: 
listen, because me and you understand it. You can be frustrated on that course when your junior's playing bad all you want. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, they're probably making mistakes because of something mental. They Most probably got they, yeah. they probably and, and that, that's gonna be my next question, but they probably got the best swing coach at the country club. They probably got the best equipment money can buy, <laughs> but they just missing that other 90%. So my next question leads into my next question is why do you think good players, great, great good players that are typically good, why do you think they struggle? Yeah. And I, I would literally, you know, it is, they do struggle uh, because there's that finite line of becoming good to great. Yes. Okay. So it's okay to be good. That's that's that. That's why I said like, that's when you have acquired the skills, mm-hmm. and, but, and you can, you can, you can go around and shoot in the seventies being good. That's, that's, you can get that. You can do that. Right, but when pressure and, and the ta- and, and the and the competition it ratchets up, uh, you gotta become great, and so because you're competing with other great folks, and so in order to go from good to great, if you don't have a complete team, it, it is uh, we're doing a disservice essentially for our for our junior golfers specifically, um, and so that's that's just at the end of the day the the truth. So uh, you know I can't. Right. can't spell it out or, or say it any more clearly, but, uh, but that usually is the challenge that some of our families have too, is like saying they're going to quote unquote buy into this, but it's not really anything to buy into. A lot of what I do actually is scientific and I like numbers and math and science. So I, I try to make sure I'm really walking somebody through a process um, that gives them tangible results. Yeah. I had a, uh... I had a couple of guys that that's mentored me in uh, on the way. Um, Mark Burnett out of Houston, out of Dallas, Texas. Um, Ken Styles out of California, and they all told me <clears throat> they said, "Ro, you can't half." I'm, I'm gonna clean it up. You can't half, but this you you gotta spend yeah. the money on what's needed. You can't, you know, you can't be cheap, right? And you got you you got to spend that money. Yeah, th- these are things you know. It's uh, I won't I won't span my garage or my area that I'm in right now. But right. I mean, you know, it's a constant conversation. We talk about this often. Um, you sure know, thing. And, and um, there 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 is th- that is the um, grow the game initiative. I love when I was hearing that with the live guys, but we won't go all the way into that, but growing the yeah. game initiative is also <laughs> about giving resources. Right. Or, or being able to access those resources too. And, and recognize like our kids have been very blessed with receiving these resources that are out there, but it's not because they just came by chance. They come because we are, we're out looking and asking and trying to figure out where they are and how to get them. Mm-hmm. That's right. So what are some ways, uh, uh, Rob, that people, that that players can increase their mindset? Okay, so I always start with, it's the first thing usually in this process is to have the self-awareness, right? To understand what we just talked about, like, I actually need it. Right. Uh, Once they get there, then it's very simple to kind of teach people 
uh, how to build these skills. And so often, you know, I, I'll share it here. You know, I, I'm okay with giving you the, 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 the answer. The answer is to understand that the things that you think drive what you feel and what you do. Mm. Once you come to that understanding and then self-awareness of like, oh, the things I think actually drive what I feel and do, ultimately impacting performance. Mm -hmm. that's then now we can start building skills around thinking effectively, cleaning up how you think, because. Which leads to playing better. It leads to playing way better. Right. Uh, and, and, and I'll actually say it actually leads to playing uh, in a way that you feel better about your play. Okay. The score sometimes is the score. Like, you know, we just, as you know, Hayden played in a tournament down in Florida. It was, the weather was horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, so the score is what the scores are going to be. And uh, they're, they're what they're going to be. But, you know, did can you still walk away from that and say, like, you performed you know, consistently great throughout that time. Uh, and that's what we're looking to do. So that's the first steps is to make sure that someone has a self-awareness that I need it. And then once I know that I need it, I just simply, like I said, the goods in it is teaching somebody that the things that you think drive what you feel and what you do, which impacts your performance. So now we can actually work on how you think your interpretations of events. That's the key. I love it. I love it. Cause you, cause you, 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 it's like it's like the steps have to be taken to be able to perform better, and and I know we we won't go into too deep on this because I want I want parents to be able to reach out to you and maybe have a session or do something to that effect. But when juniors make a mistake on the course, junior golfers, let's say, where should their mind go? What should they be thinking about? And I know that's part of the process, so you can just give us the. The, the, no. Yeah, it's an actually interesting one. I'm actually before I answer, I'm going to ask you this question, and we'll see if we get both. Okay. So when you're watching, when you're watching JT play, how do you know from watching that he is losing confidence? What about him do you see or like notice? Body language. Boom. See, I knew he was going to say it. I didn't. Yeah. We didn't set this up, y'all. No. Okay. <laughs> no. But listen, this yeah. is, is, but it took you a while actually to, like, as a parent who's observant, seeing what it is. Because even, even they, I, I just shared this, like, so if, if a kid, our kid hits a, a shot and we say, good shot, and they look at us with like cross eyed and like, eh. All the like, time. It was you on the green. Yeah. But the problem is, is that we don't know what they actually wanted to do with that shot. Correct. We don't know if they wanted to hit a certain kind of trajectory, work the ball, hit a certain area of the green, sound a certain way. I don't know. Whatever that was, we didn't know. So we couldn't acknowledge what it is that they did well or not well. That's the challenge. But so I share that with you. So because this is the this is the thing. So we make a mistake. The first thing that changes typically for a kid who's struggling a little bit with this mental space, but also just in general, you see it on TV in every sport, is these things called shoulders go like this. They get hunched over. And I'll, I, yeah, I know it's crazy. We get like this. 
And what ends up happening now, I mean, we could go all the way into the weeds of this with science and all that, but if you're just carrying your golf bag and you do like this, the weight of that bag, right? It, it gets heavy. You can try it, y'all. I'm just saying, like, go ahead, put it on and go like, go like this with the bag. You hey, like, Rob, Man, this I'm, I'm laughing because me, my wife and I, we've been literally talking about this for the last two to four weeks. Okay. So, and we, and we, and we not, and, and I will talk afterwards, but I'm, I'm just going to give you this right here. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, when that happens with our shoulders, uh, the key, the key to trying to, when I'm working with a kid around this, is I'm always constant on it. Like, no, no, no. Show, show, keep the shoulders, shoulders. Because think about it. And once people start hearing this, they'll start to say, oh, yeah, it makes sense. So once your shoulders are like this, I make a mistake, whatever it is, ball in the rough, hit it in the trees, out of bounds, whatever it is that happened, mm -hmm. mistake, whatever they deem it as a mistake. Because sometimes we like, that ain't no mistake, bro. That's, you good. And they're like, nah, it was terrible. Okay, whatever. So whatever they think it is as a mistake, if they go like <laughs> this, then we just simply say shoulders, you know, whatever we, I use all kinds of things with kids. Right. So we got to get these shoulders back. Now, people know this, but they just have a hard time with it, and it's okay. Once your shoulders are back, then literally the rest of us is wide open to, to accept, to receive, to hear, to look, to feel better about whatever's getting ready to happen. Like You could test this with your wife out there, fellas, or you could test it with your husbands, ladies. But if you're getting ready to receive bad news or say something that you, you know, whatever, you're going to get something happening. If you put your shoulders back and receive it, it's going to feel a lot different. You will be able to assess a lot quicker, be more clear minded, able to breathe all the things we teach. So once some shoulders go back, now we can actually accept is the word I use, whatever is the circumstance. Literally, by just doing, uh, boom, okay, because now you're walking into it already ready to accept whatever you're going to see. That's the sign I, I was sharing of confidence. If you can do that, it's, and that's a trained skill. That's not something we're born with. We're born with this. We're born with this. We were, like, if you in this country, you you was born to say, yes, sir, no, sir. Uh -huh. That's how we were raised in our bloodstream, if you want to, somebody say, I was born that. No, so you could teach this skill. It's it's a skill, and it says something not only to you while you're out there, but it says something to and with elite junior golfers who have coaches watching. It says something to that coach right away, like oh, oh okay, they they ready to they they that ain't nothing to them. Mm -hmm. They they they've handled they must have had experienced this adversity before. Yeah, they have. So they're able to do that thing and it's okay. So that's the, uh, that would be what you, I know you asked me a roundabout way, but that's the answer of what should they be thinking? That's what they should be thinking. They should be thinking about their shoulders and, and like, how am I approaching? Am I ready to accept? Because you can't get over anything until you actually accept it. So if you accept what happened, where you are, what the circumstances now you can actually make better decisions and choices and things start to flow a little bit better for you mentally. And so you're not all bottled up and tight and literally from carrying that bag that now you, it was 
12 pounds, but you do like this and turn into 14 pounds, that thing is hard to, if you push it, it's the same thing. Like if you push going like this, you good. As soon as you start doing this, that thing become hit, that, that thing, uh, uh, it's hard. So hey, hey, that's Rob, what I see. Let me tell you this. When my wife sees this, she's going she's gonna to drop on the floor. <laughs> what you what you're doing right now you're getting ready to save a lot of parents and juniors years of headaches yeah just from the shoulder conversation well hopefully <laughs> the power hey, hey robert the power. power power of the shoulder yeah that's it it's it's a, i'm telling you watch watch robert after this after this podcast watch, watch what i'm telling you so now, Rob, tournament preparation. What are one or two ways that a junior can prepare going into a tournament mentally? Uh, that that's a that's a good one. Um, I mean, there's a lot of tried and trues, but <laughs> all right, an easy one is this. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you give a, give us one, because I want people to. To, yeah. to, to have to call you for the others, but just give us one. I'll give you one. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the first one that comes right to mind for me, to be honest, is that your kid needs a book, a yardage book. Okay. okay. Um, and so some parents will see this later, but you know, you go to an AJGA or any, any high level event, Correct. You watch the you watch the guys playing the pros. I mean, you got to pay attention. College people, they all have. They're looking at that book. Now you would ask yourself, "What's in that book?" Maybe I should have a book, right? So I always say, "To help a junior golfer," mm -hmm. and it's a process. It's not like you give them the book and it's gold and everything is amazing. You give them a book, and then you start teaching, walking them through what the book does and how to use the book and all that. But that takes time and experience and practice. Uh, so I would say to help get your junior golfer ready for tournament play, they need mm -hmm. to have a book. Now, if you're artistic, you can make your own books. If you want to get cheap, you can draw your own books. I mean, you could do a lot of things. Google Earth it, print it off. I don't care. But at least get your kid prepared in that way it's like it's like you know this is a you're you're looking at well what do i need well that's a, that's you need that that's a tool you need and, and so you want to make sure that you have it so that's what i would say that one thing to prepare for tournament golf is to have that book uh we're getting ready to play this weekend we have a book we've looked at the book this week just to familiarize our minds with the course again we hadn't played it in a while he did a practice round earlier on. We won't get there tomorrow, you know. So you yeah. got the book. You can go through and look and look at your markings and all that. So that's the best advice I can give to a junior golf parent here. And then you begin teaching your child how to use the book. There's lots of ways. Uh, right. Uh, that, that yeah, I would work with that. I work with juniors on how to use those books just from a, a mere um, confidence space, right? So that's what, what we do. Hey, shout out, shout out to my man, Scott Fawcett, uh, who, uh, yeah, he created a uh, decade and y'all for my parents and juniors that's listening with decade, you get 40 books that you can print off a year. 
that's literally $2,000 worth of yardage books that you get per year. We love Decade. We are, we're, we're mastering the strategy of Decade. So shout out to Scott Fawcett out in Texas for creating Decade. A lot of, a lot of really good PGA Tour players are, are buying into Decade. So two more questions, Robert. We won't tie you up too long, but let's talk about, let's switch gears for a second. Let's talk about parents. How sure. can, what's, what's the parent's role in all of the mental performance stuff? Sure. Um, I tell parents that they have to be president accounted for because this helps their language with their junior golfer. So if they're, if they are, uh, whenever I'm working with a junior golfer specifically, uh, the parents will have access to the things that we're working on uh, because I want them to have the right language. That's the key uh, to their junior for their junior golfer. Uh, so that way it's speaking the same message. So it, I always say for parents, you got to be a part of the team. Uh, I, I'm not that <laughs> I feel I'm not that person. I, you know, I do I do private practice work and with therapy. So a parent wants to drop their kid off and run away and go to the coffee shop behind by, below me. No, come on in. Let's yeah. do this together, right? The kid yeah. is having these mental challenges because of you. Uh, let's keep it honest. So we mm -hmm. out there, our golfers are having problems because of us. So you know, it's like they're looking at us. You know, there you go, Dad. You yeah, know? you look. Yeah, what you? Why you? Why you looking at like, me? You hit the shot. Right. <laughs> right, all of this stuff. I help. Hey, hey. So, hey, so, Robert, I'm in the, I'm in the hat throwing. Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. We learned too along the way. I know, right. now, parents, um, I, I think I shared this with you. I'm going to write a book one day about mm -hmm. just the ups and downs of parents it's watching your golf. Yes. This is unlike any other. Uh, and I, I've watched my clients. So for some people don't really understand this. Like when my clients are playing, I know. And so I'm following along, whether, you know, we're scrolling and looking or I'm watching literally. Yeah. And um, man, this thing, y'all see, I, I don't know, just crazy, <laughs> it's stressful. Yeah. Uh, so, so I got to learn how to master those emotions that go along with this because we really want our folks that we love to do well. So that's correct. Kind of All day. That's yeah. what it is. That's so. good. That's good, Robert. So, so Rob, you know, as we, as we get ready to wrap up the podcast, man, so uh you you've gone through this journey and quite some time with your son your daughter and a lot of juniors corn fairy you know pga um what 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 can you say to parents that's on the edge of getting a mental performance coach but they just they just hadn't they just hadn't done it yet. What, what, would, what would you say to them to go ahead and hit hit that button? Okay. Um, I would say to them, because they're all really smart people. <laughs> I don't hear, I already know they do math better than I do. And I love math. I usually uh, look at these things and in, in with math, I told y'all I'm a math and science person. So I look at it mm -hmm. in a math manner. So I'm going to give y'all a little math, easy equation. If if what I, you have to say to yourself, you are making an investment in your child. Correct. I mean, that's what you're doing. Um, and then with that investment, I then ask parents very, uh, very <laughs> bluntly, 
that if if I then said to you, because what we're actually asking is you're asking yourself, do you want your kid to get 30% scholarship, uh, 45% scholarship, 70% scholarship? Like you tell me where you want them to be. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> right. I yep. want them to get 100. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then you need to go spend 50% of that almost to get them to the hundred. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, you start looking at tuition and books and all these things and you start asking yourself these questions. So if, uh, you know, I don't know, I like to use a round number, $50,000 it costs to go to college, mm -hmm. whatever that, right. So let's for just year, make for it year, most places for year. <laughs> right. So let's, you know, let's just easy math. That's 200 yeah. K that you're hoping somebody will give your kid without you investing, I don't know, even say 20%. 40, that 40 grand. Mm -hmm. See, that sounds a little different to some parents and that doesn't sit so well, but that's kind of, if that, that's a, I mean, if I told them, if you give me 40, I give you 200. They take that all on, day. All day. Yeah. So why are we skimming out on our kids, giving them the things that we, that's where I go with it. So, so you're out wondering, that's the math. That's usually what I do. And that's even with like doing tournaments and things. And we've talked, like, I, I try to figure out like, is this not just worth it, but is this going to add to that percentage? Meaning that scholarship percentage that I'm like, that's where those experiences come from. And, you know, the successes and things of the sort. Yes, they got to go shoot numbers. And we know that, but it's also about exposure to opportunities. And so- Sometimes you have to pay for those exposures to opportunities. That's correct. Uh, that's what I would share with a parent who's on the, you know, the cusp. And I would oftentimes say like, you, if you're thinking about it, you're too late, meaning you should have started. So get started. And, and then once we get started, it, it'll, you know, we can catch things up and it'll be great. But, you know, oftentimes in these choices, I understand it's financial, it's, it is expensive, uh, no, no, uh, no joke. I mean, I told people I went to Maryland for grad school, but I also went to Johns Hopkins University for grad school. So I'm just saying, y'all talking to somebody that's not like, I mean, it's the same thing. You're going to go to the best doctor you can go to. Mm -hmm. The best doctor that you can go to does cost money. Um, Correct. And, and it costs so, more money than the regular doctor. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, that's okay. And so I also know in my space, as we're just chatting about who I am, you know, I know I'm not for everybody and, and that's okay. I will help you get to find somebody maybe that you can afford, uh, but do know that you, just as the old adage says, I mean, I wouldn't do that for my child's health. So I just don't do that. But if that's what you choose to do, that's okay. Because I know you might just want to get something going or get something started. So, but, but I often think about it in that way. That's good. And so, so, so Robert, as we, as we wrap up, man, um, how can our listeners uh, reach out to you, find you? Are you, are you on social media? Give us sure. some of your ways to reach you. Awesome. Easy stuff. Uh, I'm at elite minds, LLC on Instagram and Facebook. You Great. can find me in both those places. I am on Twitter or X at elite minds. Um, for, for those of you who are real fast, I'm sure this might go in some something, but uh, I'm also at www.elitemindsllc.com. That is my website. 
uh, old school for some folks, but that's where I'm at. Uh, you can get at me any any of those ways, a DM, uh, something, any whichever way. So that's a way to find me. Um, I'm pretty simple. If you if we get started in talking, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm you know I, my my first thing is probably get you into. I have a, a Facebook group where parents can kind of get into that group and just kind of begin learning a little bit about uh, what I do, but also the mental performance stuff that 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 uh, their junior golfer may need. Uh, and then from there, we can have further conversations about uh, paying for services. But uh, right. that's that's the way to find me on social. All right, man, Robert, this is this has been great, man. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Tell the family, you know, to you know, tell thank the family for me, man, for just letting us borrow you for a few minutes uh, here at the Junior Golf Podcast. Uh, again, it's been great, man, and and thank you for all you do because that's I I felt for the last few years that that's the missing piece for juniors to play better. So, so thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too. You guys have a good one. Thank you for listening to the junior golf podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. We hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. Also, feel free to let us know what topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. Get in touch in the comments or on any of our social media networks. See you next week for a new episode.